It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott the Hub producing the show. Mike, man, I tell you what. Oh, I'm uh, ready for championship weekend, yeah, I mean, man. I don't know if I really want to do this podcast. I don't know if I want to be within about you know five feet of you right now with with all the heat you're getting on Twitter with this whole Odell Beckham Jr. thing. What are you? Oh. You got people mad, man. Mad. Well, I, here, nah, I don't know that people are. Ma- I mean, well, you got plenty of people agreeing with you, but you got people mad at you too. Well, sure, there's there's people mad at me. Those people called non responsibility takers. Yeah, if you want to be mad about me, or you want to, uh, you want to change kind of change uh, or not accept the fact that what Odell Beckham Jr. did Monday night at the national championship game was was nothing short of, hey, look at me, everybody. I'm super famous. Look at me. It's not about the national championship game. It's about me. And and all you have to, I mean, again, that's as close as he'll ever get to a championship game, right? Somebody else's championship game. Because he's too damn selfish and self-absorbed to understand what it takes. If you're not more concerned with other people's greatness than you are your own, if you're not more concerned with other people than you are yourself, you'll never be a part of a championship team or a championship organization because that's what it takes. You know, I always I always use one of my favorite quotes in the Bible is Paul talking to the church of Philippi. And let me give you context because he's writing a letter of encouragement to the church, right? And that's, and that's what he's doing. He's writing a letter of encouragement to the church and he's writing it from prison. So if I'm writing you and I'm in prison, Mike, I'm not writing an, an encouragement letter. Hey, man, keep doing great things on the show. Keep working hard and, and including everybody. And, and, and be, No, I'm saying, Mike, break my ass out of prison, right? That's what I'm asking you to do, not writing you a letter of encouragement. And in the second chapter um, of Philippians, I think it starts verse 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Having the same love, united in spirit, um, having one purpose, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, treat others as more important than yourself. Was he treating others as more important than himself? No. He was out there with a a stack of high society throwing $100 bills at college kids and, and putting their, and jeopardizing their eligibility. Not only that, Odell Beckham Jr., took the shine off the organization, took the shine off LSU and said, look at me, look at me, look at me. Like there's there's a difference between celebrating somebody else's success and then taking somebody else's success and saying, well, look at my success, look at me, look, I got a stack of money in my pocket and I'm handing it to players. And then the excuse-making bullshit that came from that from people across America going, well, he was exposing the unfair nature of the Nash of the NCAA. College coaches are making million dollars in bonuses and the kids aren't getting paid. Like, you think that he said, hmm, I need to make some type of social statement here during the national championship game. So after the game, I'm going to go celebrate myself with with wads of cash and give it to the kids to show how unfair it is. Odell Beckham Jr., social warrior. Right. If you believe that, then you're just stupid.
You're just dumb. I mean, like, I listen, man. Is it the worst thing in the world? No. You know, and then I get people that that would say, "Well, if it was Gronk, you wouldn't say anything." Bullshit. If Gronk pulled something that stupid, I'd say that too. Well, you didn't comment on Julian Edelman getting arrested. Well, Julian Edelman didn't put, like, Julian Edelman, what he did was stupid, and it was illegal, and he got arrested. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't put a bunch of kids and a whole university under under the watchful eye of the NCAA. You think they're going to get exposed? You think that, you, like, how hard would it be to expose some to expose some um, things that go on in any university that are probably that they want kept secret, right? How hard would it be to expose some indiscretions from LSU? Well, guess what? You just invited an investigation on your university that won a national championship. And, and I mean... Just look at what we're going through right now in baseball. Right. You don't think think there are a bunch of teams sitting back going, oh, boy, I'll give you another Bible verse. There for the grace of God go I. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean. I'm telling telling you, you, you've opened up Pandora's box, and you're too stupid to even understand what you did because you're so self-consumed. You're so worried about you. And your shine and what it means for you. That That's a part of this that I just, and I, I was reading some of the different uh, exchanges you were having on Twitter. And, and it, it just, the, the level that some folks will go to defend Odell Beckham Jr. That he was somehow doing this to, to you know, draw attention and he was actually doing mm-hmm. something really good from a social justice standpoint, are you kidding me? I don't know how anybody, like you said, in their right mind could look at that and say, oh, no, 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 no. He was there to to make a statement. Bull crap. That was, you know, we joked about it. He, he came across looking like that stooge that after you graduate from high school, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to high school parties five years later wearing your old letterman's jacket. You know, it's pathetic. You're standing around the parking lot Friday after school lets out. In you know, in your uh, what was the car like when I was growing up? You had a Cutlass, right? Yeah, right. It was washed, it was clean. You had uh, centerline rims and big fat tires on it, right? You say, "Hey, man, Kager, my place tonight. Where's the party tonight?" You know, it's just it's pathetic. That's what he looked. That's what he looked. It looked pathetic. Like, dude, this isn't your moment. Your moment's come and gone. What are you doing here? Yeah, leave. I, I mean, and. You know, in the whole, here's what, here's one of the things that, that really, that really bothers me. Like, I mean, how many people on social media platforms wanted to point out my whiteness? Yeah. As you were talking, I was wondering, playing out along racial lines, huh? Oh yeah. I want to point out my whiteness, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I, I don't understand the struggle and I don't, man, I have great empathy, great empathy. And you know, as you and I have had arguments on air for for the last five years, but this goes back for decades for me. I have been a I have been a proponent of getting college players paid. Yeah, you have. Have I not? Yeah. 
Man, there ain't no such thing as a free education. Yeah, I was on scholarship at the University of Idaho. I earned every ounce. Of, I entered into a contract with the university that I was going to provide a service. That service was playing football in exchange for books and tuition and, you know, a small stipend for room and board. That's called a contract. You understand that, right? So there ain't nothing free about that freaking contract you sign. Ain't nothing free about it. So I have been on the soapbox for decades about paying college players. Right? And and wasn't it Martin Luther King that said, don't judge me by the color of my skin, but the content of my character? That goes both ways. Right? The content of the character, that's what I'm judging. And, and he's got a history of a lack of content of character. It has nothing to do. I'll hold him accountable. White, black, yellow, I don't care. I'll hold his ass accountable. Right? And if you won't hold him accountable because he's black, well, that's just as bad. Yeah, I'll give you credit. You're not as eloquent as Martin Luther King, but when it uh, no, comes to calling out douchebags, you are colorblind. <laughs> okay. Yes. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how that's all this is. Mm-hmm. This isn't black, white. It's just a douchebag being a douchebag. Right. Right. Call it like you see and it. And I know plenty of white douchebags too. Amen. All right. We can get off of uh, we can get off of that, but it just it, the the whole that whole scenario really bothered the snot I'm nah. and, and listen man I don't I don't have any hatred I I wouldn't I would welcome I would welcome an opportunity to talk with Odell Beckham Jr. and tell him exactly how I feel about the antics you know whether it's like one of the things I talked about during the season it and it bothered it literally bothered the shit out of me you get ready, prepared. Your team is struggling, trying to be make a playoff run, and you're preparing to play the New England Patriots at the time. Um, I don't know if they had a loss or, they, but they were still. I mean, they finished twelve and four. Yeah, right. They, I think they were like nine and one or yeah. something at that point. You're getting ready to play them, and you spend however much time you spend designing and creating goat hair cleats. To give to Tom Brady, my vision of Tom Brady is accepting the cleat, then walking in the locker room and throwing it in the trash because that's what it's worth. Like, you think that creating a goat hair cleat to give to Tom Brady is the best use of your time. That's why you'll never win a championship. All right, let's get to the teams that are trying to win championships. And um, the games this weekend. We'll start in the AFC, Kansas City, Tennessee. Yeah, I did, I, I, did 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 Kansas City You ever see the movie Days of Thunder? Yo. Tom Cruise, come on. Okay. Who, you, who are you talking about? Okay. Right? So so remember He's beautiful. Remember remember he had had the big crash, right? Yeah. He's trying to come back mm-hmm. and every time there'd be Robert a Robert ra- Duvall is up in his grill, yeah, right? Go ahead. And every time there was a crash on the track, he'd always get really nervous and tight, right. and, you know, and and then He's approaching the wreck, and it's all shrouded smoke, in clouds yeah, and yeah. smoke. And Robert Duvall's in his ear. You can do it. Just know it in my heart. Mm-hmm. Just drive on through. And he drives on through, and right. he comes out, and he's got the big Tom Cruise Maverick smile. He's like, I'm through. I'm I'm, I'm good. You know? And then he just right. takes off. Right. That was that moment for Kansas City when they were down 24 nothing. 
And everybody in the stadium had doubts. Mm. We're going through this again. We've seen this act before. Mm -hmm. Another playoff flop for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know the players were thinking about it. And the fact that they not only came back and won, but won the way they did, they're through. They're through, baby, uh, and I don't think they look back. I'm telling you, it's just like when Ricky Bobby drove in his dad's car with a cougar. Yep. Boom. Once you get mulled by a cougar, you can take on anything. Amen. How many times have I been mulled by a cougar? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Did a lot of landscaping as a kid. <laughs> um <laughs> Why? <laughs> Young man, you look like you could use a glass of lemonade. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm a, I'm 100%. By the way, I'm 100% with you. Like, like I thought going in that this is probably like one of the worst possible man, ma- matchups for Kansas City because of the physicality of the Tennessee Titans and the way they run the ball and yada, yada, yada. But, but here's the deal. You look at the dynamic nature of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the way they operate as an offense. And I just think it's only a matter of time. If you can come back, not only did you come back for 24 nothing, but you came back from 24 nothing with about 10 minutes left in the second quarter to go tw- to go up 28-24. Like, that game went, and Troy Aikman said it in the broadcast against uh, the Packers. And um, uh, who'd the Packers beat? Uh, I can't even remember. Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. He, he's like, hey, uh. You know, the difference, he, he's like, the difference, like, that game started a blowout one way, became a good game in the middle, and then it was a blowout the other way. Like, Kansas City's ability to do that. Here's what makes them unique in the NFL, because nobody else does this, right? I always think about protection, and when I see a team that gives up nine sacks, I say, that coordinator sucks. That coordinator sucks. Because to protect your, your football team, you have to protect your quarterback through the way you call plays. So think about it this way, okay? Most teams, if we're going to throw it, let's call it 30 times, okay? We're going to have five three-step drops. You know, a little bubble screen, a swing pass, right? Then we're going to have five run action, like RPO run action stuff, right? So now we've eliminated 10 of the 30. Okay, now we're going to have five play action off of run game, right? So now all of a sudden, we've eliminated another five. So now we're down to 15. Now we're going to have a couple of five-step drops that are fast throws. The ball is out instantly. So I really, that's not, that for me, if I hear all go, I know that's a five-step drop where the ball is out in under two seconds. I can upkick that. I can go out. So now I've just eliminated another five. So I've taken 30 possible passing reps and as a coordinator I've given my guys I've taken 20 of them off the table so now guys 10 of them you're gonna have to hold up on mm-hmm. there's only 10 times where we're gonna have you know where you're gonna have to hold up and we're gonna have some one-on-ones and you know a tight end's gonna have to hold up in protection or our backs are gonna have to open them there, there's only 10 I should be able to survive those 10 right I should be that's how protection works Kansas City is unique in this. If they're throwing it 30 times, guess what? Their O-line and their guys have to hold up 22 times. They don't play like that. They get five guys out in the, they get five guys out in the pattern and, and just as an eyeball test, probably 80% of the time, Mike, 
Five guys are out in the pattern. And, and here's what makes them unique. One, their two tackles, whether it's Fisher or whether it's Schwartz, may the Schwartz be with you. Whether it's either of those guys, they can hold up in protection. When things do happen to break down, Patrick Mahomes can extend the play, avoid the pressure, and make a play downfield. And, oh, by the way, they've got the receiving core. They can beat you quick so that you can get rid of the ball. Or if things break down and they have to extend the play, their second reaction nature is is probably second only to Seattle. So they're just a they're a bitch when and, it comes to matching up. And think about it. This against. is what makes them so unique and so difficult is because Tennessee, at least in theory, is everything you want to take down a team like Kansas City. How many times have we heard run the ball, play keep away, make sure Patrick Mahomes stays on the sideline? Win the time of possession battle. And you know what? You could easily see a scenario where Tennessee controls the ball for 40 of the 60 minutes and still lose by 13, 10, 13 points. Just because of the explosive nature of it. It it is very reminiscent of Peyton and the Colts when they were in their their heyday, where you could limit them to, to 25 minutes of possession. And they'll just, you know, score in a minute. And I a remember half. like it was a Sunday or Monday night game where where Peyton and they were down, I think it was to Tampa Bay, like nineteen yeah. nothing or something. Yeah. And, and and like they had like eleven plays, you know, and then all of a sudden they scored three touchdowns and won the game. Yeah. Like like the thing about and, and I'm hundred percent with you, eating up the clock, taking advantage of that stuff, Derrick Henry, all those things, that's exactly keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Because when you have a dynamic offense, and you feel like you can score every time you touch the ball, and you've got built-in big play capabilities, you want to be on the field. You want to get out there. And so sometimes when you have limited opportunities, limited possessions, the average game is 11, 12 possessions, you limit them down to seven or eight possessions. Every time you get on the field, you're chomping to the bit to do something, and all of a sudden now we pressure, now we now we have a third-down drop, now we're, you know, we, we get too excited and we overthrow somebody, like, that stuff happens, and that's that's the theory behind that. But here's here's the thing. Here's the rub. If you're going to play that way, and I, I I'm a I'm a believer in playing that way, and I think that's what Tennessee has to do to win. You damn well better score touchdowns every time you get in the red zone. Yep. Every drive has got to end in point. But you you have got when you get close, you have got to score because if you don't, you will wind up. It's the old saying. That uh, every time you kick a field goal against a team like that, you're three points closer to losing. Yep. It's just the way it's going to go. Yep. All right, so we both like the Chiefs? Yeah. You got a score in mind? I think it's going to be a 10-point game. The Chiefs going to win it. I think it'll be close for a while, and then eventually. Like I think a 27-17 type thing? Uh, yeah. You know, I think it's going to be a like a 34-20 something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We both like the Chiefs. Uh, over in the NFC, rematch of a game that we saw about a month or so ago, and can't, uh, Green Bay went into San Francisco and got got hammered. But again, statistically, it's a weird game mm-hmm. because San Francisco won thirty eight to seven, but Green Bay ran seventy plays to San Francisco's forty five. Time of possession was like thirty five twenty five in favor of Green Bay. Um, Green Bay only turned the ball over one time in that game, but 
it was it was a runaway. Yeah. So do you expect more of the same this time around? I don't. I expect it to be close. And I think I think Green Bay had a couple of things they haven't lost since that game. I think they've had a couple of questions about the offense that that they've been able to answer. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams have had this this toe thing. He's healthy again. Um, and he and Rodgers have an incredible connection, yeah. so they're doing unbelievable things that way. Um, all that, all that considered, you know, we started off this podcast talking about my frustration with OBJ. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you want to talk about the anti OBJ? Talk about the San Francisco 49ers. because I think they're a complete football team, Mike. And we can get into the X's and O's, right? We can talk about the fact that. You know, they've got a great defensive line, and Quan Alexander coming back at the linebacker position is huge for them because the way he flies around and makes plays, and he's one of my favorite players to watch. And we can talk about offensively, you know, all the intricacies of the offense. One of the things I love, and I will. Okay, I'll give you a for instance. So I'm calling a game. They're playing Carolina. They've blown out the Carolina Panthers, right? And they run a power play, Mike. So it's just a power, right? You you pull the off guard, you block down, right? Double team at the point, you block down, pull the offside guard, right? He loops around, he's on the front side linebacker. That's his responsibility. And you know, the running back runs it right down that hole and it's called power. That's that's the basic power play, right? So what San Francisco does is they do an unbelievable job of shifting and motioning. Right, so they give you this all this eye candy, the illusion of complexity. They show you all this crap, right? At the end of the day, nine guys are doing exactly what nine guys always do, regardless of formation and motion and everything else. So they essentially have two adjusters, and everybody else is 100% the same. So I can run a play out of a bunch of different formations, a bunch of different motions, a bunch of different things. Two guys have to adjust. Nine guys are running the same crap they run, regardless of the motions and regardless of the shifts and regardless of the formations. They're running the same exact play. So there's only two guys that really have to understand that this that, that this play is nuanced. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is running. So from an execution standpoint, you've got great execution. But from a defensive standpoint trying to defend it, you're seeing a bunch of different crap that you're not quite sure. It makes you play on your heels. It makes you play with lack of eye discipline. Okay, that's what they do. So I'm calling a game and they motion into a bunch formation from reduced splits. So we've got three wide receivers there from reduced splits. Right. And most of the time when you run power, you're running it out of eye or near or far. Right. A two back set. Right. But they run it out of this bunch set from motion. And then they motion a receiver across. And they snap the ball, right? They motion the receiver across just to get extension, just to get the defense to slide a little bit, right, to open up running lanes. And then they hand the ball, they pull the guard, right? Everything else is the same. And they hand the ball to Debo Samuel, who's their rookie-wide receiver that happens to be the, the back guy in that bunch formation. And he's the ball carrier, and he goes – you know, 22 yards for a freaking touchdown. 
and it's it's something the defense never saw before. So they do it out of a different formation with a different set. They motion it back across to extend the defense and to hold the backside no and to hold the you know the front side from constricting because that receiver moving across the formation. And then they run it with a, a with a wide receiver that takes the place of the back. But the other nine guys are all the same. And that's what makes them beautiful. But here's why I like San Francisco more than any other reason. It's the intangible stuff. So I'm watching them win last week against Minnesota and manhandling Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And two things happened. Akella Witherspoon's their starting quarterback, and he is getting torched. They're going after him in the first drive. And he gives a big touchdown. And I instantly get on my Twitter machine and say, I won't be surprised when they bench him for for Emmanuel Mosley because I had done a bunch of games mm-hmm. of San Francisco where Emmanuel Mosley was playing, and so I did a bunch of research and looked at him and, and all that stuff, and I thought Emmanuel Mosley was a hell of a football player. I like, this kid can play. So, of course, I'm watching the film. I'm studying him. So then I talked to Robert Sala, their coordinator, and they're talking about how aggressive he is and how good he is with his hands and what a tough guy is, and I was like, I just love his run support and the fact that he's a football player. So... They bench Akella Witherspoon after the first series. What do most guys do? After what would OBJ do if you got benched after the first series? You know, pout, mope. pout, kick Make, a net. Yeah, you know, do you know, throw a Gatorade tub sure. over, right? You'd draw be, attention to yourself, right? Draw attention to yourself. You know what Akella Witherspoon did? Did you read this? He walked over to the special teams coach and said, "Hey, I just got benched." E-man is is going to play for me. Give me his special teams reps because he needs all the energy he can to help us win this game. Oh, that's awesome. He's not pouting. Right. He's not playing well right now. Right. He doesn't have confidence right now. Give me E-man's special teams reps because he needs all the energy he can to help us get to this championship game. Mm. Mm. That I mean, that... Mm. that Okay, that's what you need to be. Yeah. That's what you need to be as a football team. By the way, the post-game press conference, they pulled Nick Bosa aside, who had a couple of sacks, and they asked him about his pass rushing ability. You know what he said? We earn the right to pass rush because we shut down the running game. We understand that that's our priority, and the only way we get to rush the quarterback is if we execute in the priority, which was shutting down Delvin Cook. You want to talk about unselfish, complimentary football. Mm-hmm. They epitomize it. So, what does Green Bay have to do to pull off an upset? Green Bay pulls off the upset if what? Well, if they take advantage of the three opportunities they're going to get from Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. By the way, last week when you were previewing, you said Jimmy Garoppolo will give you a chance to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. And you were exactly right. He did exactly. I mean, he was very good, but he did give a couple of throws. He gave and a mm-hmm. couple of near misses mm-hmm. that I'm sure Minnesota was kicking themselves over that that could have got them right back into the game. So you're right Eric on Kendricks, about the idea. Eric, he will. Yeah. He will give and he will take. Kendricks picked one off. Had yep. another one that he dropped. Yep. And and George Kittle broke one up like a defender. Yep. 
He threw three right yep. to him. And in San Francisco, they spend a ton of time throwing in the middle of the football field because, you know, they have Juszczyk and they yep. have George Kittle and they have Emmanuel Sanders who's not afraid to go in the middle. Like, they spend a, a ton of time throwing it inside the numbers. And so a lot of those things are predicated on, hey, we're flashing this play action, our running game is great, and now all of a sudden, man, I'm bam, I'm popping yep. the tight end, right? And if that linebacker on that side cheats or gets into one of those passing lanes, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, it just, I mean, it's, it, he's played great. Don't get me wrong. Right. I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan, right? People get all mad at you, but I'm a fan, but he'll give you three opportunities to catch the ball. Can you catch the ball yep. defensively? Can you catch the ball? Cause if you do that, if you do that, he'll give you opportunities. And if you can shut down the run, he'll give you more than three opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the game in a nutshell to me. I think San Francisco's a better football team. I think they're a more complete football team. But I know one guy that doesn't turn the ball over, Aaron Rodgers. He just doesn't. I don't know what his pick totals are this year, but I'm sure uh, every year they're I single digits. I think he only had four interceptions yeah, this year. Every year they're yeah. single digits. So Plus, you just get the sense that he knows. He knows he doesn't have that many more kicks at this. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I think he understands what so many of us have talked about. Heck, we talked about it during one of these podcasts during the summer. The idea that, hey, he needs to win another title to truly cement his legacy as an all-time, all-time great. Right. And I think he realizes that. And I think he knows that he, he may not have this many opportunities. And I I, I think he's going to be pretty special on Sunday. I think it's going to take a, a very good effort I, I do to too. beat him. I think it's going to be. I but I think they will. I think it's going to be fairly tight, and I think it's going to be a lot lower scoring than most people yep. probably would give it. Yep. Based yep. on the two quarterbacks, you'd think a lot of points are going to – I think it's going to be a lot lower scoring. I think both these defenses are great. Um, and I think, you know, Zadarius Smith is playing lights out. Clark is lights out. Preston Smith is a great player. Like, the, the, this is this is a great matchup. This matchup to me is the best matchup. Yep. Bar none. All right, you got a score on that, in mind on that one? I, I'm going to say, like, uh, I think it's going to be like a, a – a twenty-four twenty type yeah. thing, San Francisco. Yeah, you like you, you like Green Bay covering. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, hey, Kansas City, San Francisco would be a tremendous Super Bowl. It'd be great. Kansas City, Green Bay would be a tremendous Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. Nobody, nobody but no. people that live in Nashville want right. Tennessee to be there. Right. Sorry, Tennessee. Sorry, Tennessee. <laughs> wah, nobody wah, likes wah, you. Wah. But I hear Nashville's fun. Oh, Nashville's a great town. Yeah. Oh, great town. Great town. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, for everybody involved Speaking with the Speaking Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please share it with your friends. Unless you hate it, then don't tell anybody. Uh, we'll be back with you later on, uh, probably for the uh, Super Bowl games. Or the Super Bowl game, not games. There's only one Super Bowl. Say goodnight, Mark. Good night, Mark. <laughs>